How's it, everybody, and Happy New Year. Welcome back for Season 4 of the Rugby Punted. As almost always, I'm joined by my good bunny, Ronald. Good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. Yeah, Ronnie, so you've been hiding out in the bushveld up there. It's been nice and hot, eh? It's not the bushveld. Like, you should get your geography right. It's the lowveld. The lowveld. Oh, is there no bushveld in the lowveld? You need to go study. You need to read a book before you make a comment like that. <laughs> My apologies, Ronnie. There's not one bush in the lowveld. Can't, can't, can't get that mixed up. So it's been mm-hmm. a while since we've been on the show. About two months we've been off, took a break after the World Cup, recover a little bit. And you know, guys, I asked Ronnie before the episode to please write down some New Year's resolutions, but I've decided to scrap that from the show because just looking over at his notes here, I see that number one on the list is try to beat Nick on Super Brew. And I mean, if you have to say try, not even beat Nick, Ronnie, can't make you read out the rest of them. Should we go look at the results now on Superbrew, or do do we do we just laugh at this joke and move on? Do we just laugh at this joke and move on? Listen, Ronnie, I'm definitely beating you in the URC. We'll get to those. Okay, let's show. No, well, let's go to it now. Okay, tell tell us all where you are ranked on Superbrew at the moment for the rugby punted. Can I just ask you why are you not playing top fourteen? Why am I not playing top fourteen? I actually didn't realize that I wasn't. Firstly, obviously destroying you in top fourteen since you're not playing. Well done. Let's well, go see. Should we should we look should we look at so which competition should I? The URC. We're we talking about the URC. Oh, okay. Talk about the URC. Okay, where are you? <laughs> well, I see you can claim to be ahead of me. I'm 145th, and you know what? For everyone, I'm 52nd. To send a screen grab of his ranking. Okay, I'll send it to you right now. I'm send it to you on WhatsApp. So where do you claim to be? 52nd. 52nd. We'll see. If that's a lie, Ronnie, the next episode you're taking a shot, eh? In this holiday time, you know, we've seen a lot of people on social media still giving the Bork fans grief. The Irish claiming, you know, you're not really champions because it's an eight-year losing streak to us. The Kiwis going off celebrating Christmas for Wayne Barnes, giving us the trophy. And even so far as one of the big Facebook rugby groups banning the box from commenting on the four World Cup wins. What do you think of all of that, Ronald? Well, I'm quite shocked about the fact that we've lost to Ireland eight years on the run. That is actually quite shocking. Yeah, that's definitely true. But that's the last time that they toured South Africa. So when they played, sure. they have lost. Was that when Patrick Bambi was starfished by CJ Stander? That is indeed. We were at that game in PE, remember? Also the arrival of the club. Sad times. Sad times. But yeah, no, look, uh, batting the South Africans, I don't know how enforceable that is. I would just pretend to be a Kiwi and then infiltrate and then destroy them from the inside but it's fine people can ban us that's okay we are the back-to-back world champions and going in we always knew we were going to be unbearable i mean we've even said it to other people we are going to be unbearable yeah and to be fair to all the northern hemisphere fans you guys have the six nations coming up there's something that we definitely know northern hemisphere team is going to win as long as they keep south africa out of that competition i'll continue winning it yeah Ronnie, then some really good and exciting news. Have you seen that Chasing the Sun 2 is coming out of the end of March? That's going to be really lucky to see. And I actually just want to know... Very disappointed. What was going on in the change room when Rossi told them this is going to be a 7-1 split for the World Cup final? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously... Uh, my dad and I spoke about it the other day as well. And I think the 7-1 split is so ridiculous that even my dad thought, no, man, there's no way he played the 7-1 split in the final. He did. He had the... Well, Rossi and, and Jacques had the guts to do that in a final. That's just unbelievable. We've been very shocked. Absolutely incredible that they had the guts to go for that one. Warren Gatlin. Disapp- 
in saying that the rules should be changed. The bench should only be for injury replacements because now yeah. I'm using two forward packs throughout a game and that's not what it was intended for. I just believe change the rules to whatever you want. Russie's an innovator and he's going to find a way to use them to his advantage. Yeah, take away tackling out of rugby and we'll still win. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Ronnie, I think that's enough about the World Cup. You know, that that was a while ago now. And although we are back-to-back champions, we have to move forward at some stage. So a lot going on in the rugby world since we were last on here. A couple of the hot topics that I think we should just have a chat about. The first one is now this opening or the vacancy for the Wallabies job. Now we'll get onto Eddie Jones a little bit later, but Australian rugby under Phil War has come out and said they're going to appoint a new coach by the end of March. They're keeping all their options open. And there's a South African that's on that list, Ronnie, and that is Jake White. Coached the Brumbies before. What do you think Jake could do if offered that role? Would he go? I would go if I was Jake White. You know, Razor said that he wanted to be the first player, the first coach to win at the World Cup with two separate teams. I think Jake White should steal that. While he has the chance to do that, maybe he goes and coaches the Wallabies and actually wins the World Cup. That's something crazy. But yeah, unrealistic perhaps. But I would go, definitely. I don't know if it's unrealistic. If you think of a coach that has had a taste of international rugby, getting the opportunity now to coach the Wallabies against the British and Irish Lions and at a home World Cup. I mean, that's an opportunity anyone would jump at. Sure. And Jake White, by all means, go for it. He's familiar with the environment. Coached the Brumbies for a number of years. Look, anything's better than Eddie Jones at this point. There's two more names, Ronnie, that have come up on this discussion. The first one, maybe not such a surprise, is Joe Schmidt. You know, he was involved with the All Blacks at the last World Cup consulting after leaving Ireland. Could be a candidate to take over the Wallabies job. The other, which is something that came to fruition very recently, is Michael Checker. He's resigned from the Los Pumas job, potentially lining up a return to Australian rugby. Which of those three do you think would be the best option for the Wallabies? Well, as a South African, I'm obviously very biased. So I'd say Jake White's the better option. But, you know, as Australians, they've, uh, they've really, Michael Cech is probably going to be the best bet because he is, a, he is, in his heart, he is Australian. And, you know, he's proven that he can do some, some fantastic things with the Pumas. So, That's what the Wallabies need right now. I think they might be a little bit hesitant to go back to a situation like they did with Eddie bringing in a former coach again. I think Eddie burnt quite a number of bridges there. But like you say, he did well with Los Pumas. He definitely could be in in with a shot for that role. But it would be really lucky to see someone like Jake White in there because I think Rassi, Razor and Jake coaching three of the Southern Hemisphere sides with Felipe Contempomi stepping up for Los Pumas. We'll give us as journalists quite a bit to chat about. Eh? You know, that would be very impressive. Lot, lots to talk about. Lots of controversy. as well. Yeah, for sure. So we're touching there. Razor's now taking over the All Blacks. He's officially the new head coach. And he had a bit of a masterstroke, Ronnie. I don't know if you saw that he managed to lure over Wayne Smith from the Black Ferns and appointed him as performance director. Yeah. Previous coach of the All Blacks as well. Right. So familiar with the setup. And... Uh, Masterstroke, well done. Yep, and bringing most of his Crusaders coaching team, he won seven titles in seven years with them. So very keen to see Razor. All Blacks coming. So what does this mean? So what does this mean? Before you go talk about the tour, what does this mean for Bowden Barrett's chances of playing fly half now? Yeah, well, I think Bowden's got a very good shot at playing 10, and you've also got DMAC now contesting for that. Richie Moonga's out the picture. He's in Japan. It's going to be a straight shootout, I think, between DMAC and, and Bodie Barrett. What do you think, Ronnie? Let's hear what you have to say. I think Bone Barrett's an excellent fullback and will remain in this position. You reckon? And do you think Geordie Barrett's going to be retained at 12? 
Why not? He's pretty good at 12. If, if, if his brother's playing at 15, then he has to play at 12. But anyways, we'll, we'll bring this conversation up before the next World Cup again. Four years is a long time. It is a long time. So the All Blacks are coming here for two tests this year, possibly the Springboks' best chance at winning the Rugby Championship because we get to face them here, both in Joburg and in Cape Town. Going to be interesting to see Razor coming and touring here. The Crusaders is the last time he would have been to our shores. And hopefully no breakdancing from him on the Cape Town pitch, eh? Hopefully not. Hopefully. Have you watched any of the URC games there in Cape Town, Ronnie? That new pitch is holding up nicely. Hey? It's not tearing up under the scrums anymore. So that's great to see that they've sorted that out. I think the one thing I do want to do is still go and Google what exactly a 4G pitch is. Because I do agree, it holds up really well. It looks like real gross. I don't understand why people say it's, it's 4G. What about it? Are there like little speckles of fake grass that come through? I don't know. I don't think the Cape Town pitch is 4G. I think it's like Newlands was. It's half and half, like Matt explained to us once. Hybrid, sure. Of course, yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah. But speaking of the Stormers, drawing huge holiday crowds down there. Great to see 40 plus thousand for the Bulls Stormers game, 33 plus thousand for the Sharks first Stormers game. You know, they really, their fans are connected with them. They're doing very well in the competition. Still South Africa. Hey, congratulate John. John Dobson for that. He's done an excellent job with the Stormers and all the fans have rallied behind them, which is lacking in a lot of the other teams. Absolutely. And I mean, you now look, the Stormers have signed a, an agreement with the Griquas to share pathways. So Griquas players will be eligible to play for the Stormers and Stormers can send talent over to the Griquas for game time. I and mean, it's a nice, strong pathway now for the youth to climb the ranks within uh, Western Province rugby. Sure. So, Ronnie, this year is your 41st birthday, if I'm correct. And yeah, are you going to bring up Matt Gitto and Bloody Martin on you that are still playing rugby? Yeah, so at 41 years old, Matt Gitto does a U-turn on his retirement and signs to play in Major League Rugby for San Diego Legion. Ronnie, what would it take for me to get you to play one full contact game of rugby now? One million dollars. One million dollars. <laughs> that would cover the you know, you know, whatever they're paying, whatever they're paying, Matt, you can pay me and I'll go and play. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting to see him play. I think the league is not so strenuous on the body. But the fact that at the age of 41, he's still out doing Ruan Pinar. So maybe we're going to see Ruan carry a few more years for the Cheetahs as well, looking for that record. Or Mone Stein coming out of retirement. Yeah, Mo- yeah but Mone is coming back for the Lions tour in 2030-something. <laughs> Ronnie, Andy Farrell signing with Ireland, staying on until 2027. I think that was something we all predicted, hey? Yeah, he's got, he still has a point to prove, though. He has to win the World Cup with Ireland because he said they could do it. And you know what? I don't know if you heard, but they went out in the quarters last year. They got in the quarterfinals. Ireland went out in the quarters. Can you bloody well believe it? The number one ranked team in the world has never, ever made it past, well, number one at the time, never made it past the quarters. That's almost as shocking as the fact that the Bulls lost to the Griffins. <laughs> no. Okay, we have to put that to bed now. If we're, we as Shark supporters cannot laugh at that, Eddie, because we'll get on to that. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, we'll put that one to bed going forward. But you're exactly what you say. Andy Farrell still has a lot to prove. He's got a Grand Slam, some Six Nations titles, but no performance at the World Cup yet. So maybe 2027 is where they, they're angling for. Ronnie, I want to chat a little bit about... Eddie Jones and your take on him taking up the Japan job. You know, I kind of like Eddie Jones. He was a bit of a maverick in the a maverick coach, but 
the reality is he let the stormers down at the time when he took the England job, but everyone thought, okay, that was okay. We excused him there. He's really let the Wallabies down. I don't know if he can blame all of it on Australian rugby and because he made those bold, bold calls. And then he went and lied to everyone about the Japan job. I mean, disgraceful. Yeah, I think he gave more than 30 interviews where he said he was not in talks with Japan. And he was not taking the D- Japan job. Then December comes around and Eddie Jones announces the new Japanese coach. What do you think of the decision from Japan rugby to bring Eddie Jones in now? Put aside the Wallabies and, and what our thoughts are and what they must be feeling. What is Japan rugby thinking bringing Eddie Jones back? Well, they're going to obviously try and repeat the Brighton miracle. You know, because, you know, under Eddie Jones, he proved that he could beat anyone. He could beat the best in the world with Japan. And that's what they're going to look for, for sure. They're trying to replicate all of that. And, you know, maybe it works because he understands Japan. His mother was Japanese. So he really, he really gets Japan. And I think they're obviously all very excited and want that to work out. It's just that the rest of us are sitting here going, you idiot, you disrespected Australia incredibly. And, uh, or for what? Yeah, I think it's Japan is probably looking back, like you said, to that success they had in Brighton against a team we won't name and hoping it's going to be replicated. But I do also think there's a lot of danger in that. You know, there's a new crop of players, a copy paste will not work. Is Eddie Jones still adaptable? We have not seen that from his recent stints with England and the Wallabies. And I worry it could do more harm than good. You know, on the show, the guys that listen to us regularly will know we went from praising Eddie Jones and being happy with England rugby to meeting some fans at the World Cup final from Australia and realizing how badly he'd screwed them all over, coming in, hit job, selecting a young squad, possibly ruined the career of Carter Gordon and then buggered off and is now with Japan. I'd, I'd, yeah, I've lost respect for the man. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Ronnie, then Archie Sneeman, he has moved to Leinster or will be moving to Leinster at the end of the season. This is because when John Klein got capped for South Africa, he became, or I learned the Irish clubs are not allowed two players in the same position of another nationality. So they had to choose between Archia and John Klein. So Archia was free to leave, signed with Leinster, and the Munster fans are going bonkers. They say it's the biggest trade. How can you go to Leinster? In my opinion, free to choose, man. The club didn't keep you. You can go wherever you want. It's a business. Yeah. I'm going to agree more, right? If the club releases you, you're free to go and choose to play to whoever you want to. But yeah, look, I, I would also be a little bit sour if, if, if I was in their position. And the reason is because they all know that Aki is such a monster, such an incredible player. And they got nothing for him because he was injured 90% of the time. Yeah, it's been a very difficult time for him at Munster. They've done very well to rehab him and make sure he's able to win a second World Cup. But not much game time for them, eh? Yeah. Then also coming out in the news recently, Ronnie, is that Toulouse and Toulon were both penalized for the Cheslin Colby transfer that happened after the World Cup. One million rand penalty levied against either side for that transfer. And it just made me have a look at who the top paid players are in the world right now, Ronald. There are four South Africans in the top 10. Cheslin is the most or the highest paid. Who would you of get all players second? Or all uh, South Africans? Of South Africans. The highest played player in the world is Finn Russell, million pounds. Oh, hectic. Wow, amazing. Then Cheslin's 937,000 pounds. Who would you think is third, Ronnie? Or the second South Africa? Pollard. 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 You would be wrong. Pollard is fourth. Next is Faf de Klerk, and then Sia <laughs> Khaleesi, and then Andre Pollard. Wow. 
Yeah, that list also features the likes of Antoine Dupont, Maro Itoje, Owen Farrell, Dan Bigger, and Stephen Luatua for Bristol Bears. So those are your top 10 earning players in the rugby world at the moment. Mm. Ronnie, a quick exciting excerpt here because we do have a fair listenership in the Pacific Islands. Moana Pacifica announcing that they're going to host their first ever game in Tonga. I think that's going to be really to see. something great to see this Super Rugby season. Absolutely. And we've seen Moana Pacifica pull off some incredible wins. So it's good to see them actually going back, back to their roots, back to where they're from. And, you know, hosting some of the games in Tonga and the like. So that's awesome to see. It is really, really great. And it's good to see that rugby will grow. Hopefully we'll see the likes of Fiji coming into the rugby championship at some point. They play an exciting brand of rugby. Because they deserve it. Based on the last their performance in the last World Cup and where they fact that they got into the quarters of certain other teams they definitely deserve absolutely ronnie the last thing i want to talk about before we start focusing on the urc and we're going to have a lack of chat about each of the four south african teams it's just you know the sharks are struggling a lot at the moment but what do you make of the fact that the cheetahs beat them 32 29 in the challenge cup and this was a sharks team featuring all of their springbok heavyweights and the cheetahs managed to topple them you talking about the Challenge Cup, one against yeah. Western Force? No, the Challenge Cup, European Challenge Cup. Okay, oh, sorry, I'm thinking of the Tieta Challenge Cup. Yeah, it's being a Shark supporter is quite interesting at this point. I think we'll, we'll, you could possibly agree with me. It's difficult. It's very difficult to be a Sharks fan. You've got all this talent. You've got all these players in writing are the best in the world. We, but as soon as they take off their green and gold jersey and they put on their black and white jersey, they just they are terrible. It's it's inexplicable at this point. You don't really understand what happens, and 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 for the cheat, you could you could argue that oh, you could say that the cheaters actually are just an incredible team, and we need to give them more credit. The fact that they go in and they beat a whole bunch of these teams and win the Curry Cup, and and you know they don't really have a tournament like the URC to take part in is actually a, is actually a travesty. Yeah, I think that's actually what I was angling for is that you know the cheaters time and time again make a case for their inclusion and proper competition. They're like the forgotten stepchild of South African rugby. And I really think it's time that we come to the party and get them involved in proper competition. It's it's necessary. There's a good, healthy rugby system in Bloemfontein, and it's not being nurtured from the top. So we should have we should have relegation matches in the Curry Cup. Top five should go through. Unfortunately, the Cheetahs should be there, and the Sharks should unfortunately be sitting at home this year yep it's definitely what it's looking like so ronnie another difficulty that comes in now and john dobson made some interesting comments on it is this enforced springbok rest period that's coming up so the springbok players won't be allowed to play for eight weeks that's the whole of february and march they get complete rest from the game it comes at a pretty inconvenient time for the south africans because as we know in the urc the irish players were out of the world cup early enough to be included with leinster from game one they're now going to go away and play the six nations and that was really the south african team's chance to make up points on the logs now that we would have the internationals but now due to the rest period that's not possible yeah i don't think it's i, I don't actually think it's a problem i think it's, it's necessary you cannot play rugby for 12 months of the year so you need to give them a rest period and you might as well coincide it with when the international players are going well. I don't see an issue with it. I understand that you you want to make up the points with your good players, but we've also seen that you don't need the best players to be a winning team. Sharks. So do you think it also needs to be on a case-by-case basis? Because if you look at someone like Lucanio Am, 
he didn't actually play in the World Cup. He was rested for a long period of time. And yeah, we understand from, from Matt that the rest is actually completely away from the game. Kanye wasn't. But I mean, he hasn't had that much game time. Do you do it as a case-by-case basis? Or do you do no, it? No, I'm sure there's a case by case basis that you do it, you know, that you apply it to here. Yeah, but I suppose with the case of Lucania, um, you're still part of the game, you're still in the mix, you're still doing rehab, training. It's very busy. So do you think Lucania um, should be rested or should not be rested? Yeah, he should be rested. Definitely. He hasn't had a proper break from the game. Okay. Well, I, I agree with you there, Ronnie. So let's take a look over. We're going to just canvas where the four URC sides are at the moment. So, Ronnie, I know you have a lot to say about the Sharks. You've said some of it. I don't have a lot. Yeah. Sorry, I'll just cut you off there. But it's difficult being a Sharks. And I have to ask you, my previous statements, and you've always called me a traitor for saying that Sharks being the world's most average team. Uh, do you agree or disagree? I disagree. The math shows that they're pretty cuck at the moment. Not even average. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Honestly, I was going to get to that. It's really difficult being a Sharks fan. So, anyways, they are 16th on the log. And, and I saw the agenda point that you put out this morning saying that they are 16th on the log last. And I wanted to be like, no, no, we're not last. As of yesterday, they were second last. But I realized the Dragons have now put them. And it's shameful, really. It really is shameful because we expect so much more from a team with an incredible amount of Springboks and, and so many URC top 100 players in the team. And then for us to be last, and it's shameful. So, we, so the Sharks have got eight. They've played eight games and they've won only one. A massive hiding, beating, you know, by 60 points the Dragons this season, which was, yeah, which was awesome to see. And I thought that's where our, that's where our season would turn around. But no, it has, it's just gotten worse. And, you know, we've obviously brought John Plumtree in, which is fantastic. But you know what? Maybe it's not the coach. Maybe it's not the previous coach that we let go. What's our previous coach's name, Nick? Just quickly. Sean Everett. Sean Everett. We blame Sean Everett for a lot of things, but maybe it's not him. Maybe it's just something in the water and in Durban. Maybe the change room, maybe people are getting shouted at too much. Maybe they're not enjoying their, their time down in Durban. So the reality is that it's just not working there. John Plumtree, as you know, I, I do believe in him. He had an incredible uh, influence at the Sharks uh, in his first stint many years ago, but something's definitely not not going on. It's very difficult to explain because that's the Sharks supporters. We expect we expect good performances. I think the Sharks are doing a little too much social media and marketing and a little too yes. little rugby because it's like, all show and it's like all about the social media. They've got incredible marketing going on, but they're not producing the goods on the field. And, you know, there were more than 10 Springboks in the Sharks team when they faced the Bulls. And we got a hiding by almost 30 points at Loftus. It's it's <laughs> definitely a struggle being a Sharks fan. And I mean, if you look at their injury list, it's not too bad, Ronnie. Who's injured there, really? Bongi, Vincent Koch. So that, I mean, you've got Kieran van Furen filling in there. You've got enough stocks in the props. You've got Oxen Chair. Okay. But... Then the, the last question is... What, what is wrong? Is it the fact that we've got all these Springbok players and then the players that are there, the, the Pepsi Butelezis and the likes, the, the Fussies, are they just actually so terrible that they bring the, they, they cause the team to be terrible? Yeah, I don't know what the question is. And I mean, you say that about Fussy, but he's got the most line breaks of any of the Sharks players. So I saw that, but he's also got the most turnovers lost out of any player in the competition. So it's just nothing's going right there. If we hop over then to the Stormers, now their log rank is seventh, 
not their best at the moment. But I think they're a team that's now gelling well again. They, they're coming together. I've had a lot of injuries in the center with the latest being Ruhan Null going down in the game against us. He tried to sidestep and injured his knee. But they've now agreed to a loan deal with the Bulls to get Wandesila Simulane down there. And I actually think that could be a career revival for Simulane as well. You know, he did very well at the Lions. We touted him as a springbok, went to the Bulls, hasn't got much game time. Um, so maybe this is where he can revive his career alongside Damien Willems and Marnie Lubbock. Ruanel going down with a knee injury. It didn't look like that severe to me, but it was a small touch though. And that's concerning for the Stormers because they are very reliant on Ruanel and centers. No, they are, Ronnie. And then, I mean, something else that's clearly obvious if you do a case study between the Sharks and the Stormers. The Sharks have gone out and bought all these players and bolstered their team with this. And it's like John Plumtree says, you can't buy a winning team. Then you look at the inverse as John Dobson. Yes, there's a couple of players in key positions brought in. But the majority of these players are homegrown in the Cape. They have a connection with the team, a connection with the fan base, and they want to perform there. Do you think that's something that's really making a difference between the two sides? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I've, I've been sitting here trying to... I had an answer six months ago. I had an answer four months ago. The longer I watch the Sharks, the more, the more I don't understand what's happening there. I think it is just going into the change room. I think John Dobson has the respect of the change room. His players want to play for him. They aren't shell shot. They aren't like deer in, in, in the headlights. They know exactly what they're doing. It's kind of like Rusty Rasmus's change room. With the Sharks, and I'm not blaming John Plumtree, I just think a lot of them are panicking at the moment. And when panic sets in, they seem to just collapse. Yeah, it's definitely a problem and something that needs to be addressed. But yeah, well done to the Stormers playing some exciting rugby. Marnie Lubbock has no kicking issues when he's wearing a Stormers jersey and on that Cape Town pitch. And like I mentioned earlier, also the pitch holding up. So I bet they're miss missing uh, Stephen Kitsoff and his scrumming prowess now that the field's sorted. And just to confirm for everyone, Franz Mulherbe is carrying an injury. That's why he's not played yet for the Stormers. But otherwise, their Springbok complement is, is all on display there. Ronnie, what about the Blue Bulls here in Pretoria? Yeah, so everybody knows that they like the Stormers. But the Bulls, I'm kind of partial towards them. I do, I do like the Bulls. And I think at this point, and I'm going to say something that's shocking. I'm probably going to be supporting the Bulls going forward for a little what? bit. Until the Sharks can turn things around. Did I just hear that? Look, I, look, I just, I'm very sick and tired of, of watching the Sharks lose. And I just obviously hate the Stormers. So what, what am I to do? Yo, yo, I don't know if we can still be friends. Can I get you? Can I get you one of those pink bulls jerseys and the balls for behind your car? Get me one of those see-through ones. Or I mean, camo ones. See-through ones. <laughs> yeah, you're funny. That is okay. a hectic now, decision. Yeah. Okay, but like, well, what am I supposed to do here? I'm supposed to continue watching the sharks. You know, kiss their cousins. Kiss their cousins. <laughs> yeah, Yo, I'm a little taken aback there, Ronnie. So, are you saying this is Jake White's year? I'm not saying this is Jake's white here. I'm just saying this is definitely not the Sharks here. And the Bulls, honestly, they've got enough trophies in their cabinet to prove that they are a quality side. And, you know, they don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't, you know, my team doesn't have to win. They don't have to win the competition. They just don't have to suck at the competition. I don't want my team competing with Zebra for, and the Dragons for the bottom spot. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But, yo, I'm going to have to call you a trader on behalf of all of our listeners. I do call you a trader, Ronald. I gonna get maybe. Now. I didn't say I was going. I said I would maybe considering it. Okay, anyway, so the Bulls, six on the lock, 26 points overall. I mean, 
that is a lot of points considering you know if you look from the sharks perspective we have played eight so two more games and we've only got eight points the sharks but the bulls have 26 games so that's because they have won five out of eight games now that's a that's a healthy stat honestly that looks very good sure it can be better but five out of eight is pretty good what about that uh, three yeah so exactly dangerous right so there's your springbok back three there right and it, it looks it looks fantastic don't you want to support a team that has a back three that looks like that and not only looks like that plays like that yeah, Vili LaRue tying Kanan Moody and, and Arantza together nicely. Very, very deadly on attack up to this point. And Johan Gerson gaining a bit of form in the 10 jersey as well. Yeah, sure. We have to say something positive about Gerson because we've hated on him for a long time. Quite a lot. Quite a lot. So, Ronnie, since you're a bit of a turncoat and on your way to supporting the Bulls, before we get on to the last South African side in the URC, the Lions, I just wanted to let all of our listeners know our online store is now open. There's some lacquer merch for sale there, sets of coasters, which are quite nice for around the bride. And we'll be adding a lot to the store, as well as some May Fokchong caps. You guys can go and grab that there. And that's a lacquer way of supporting the show. Ronnie, the Lions. This is a team we've headed on quite a fair amount on this show. We've spoken about an unhappy change room. Pat Henku van Veek on the show, who praised Jacques Ferry's influence a lot. We've seen Albert van der Berg depart from the side as forwards coach, not being happy there. But this, to me, seems like the other lines are making a little bit of a comeback, don't you think? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to respond to that comment, but I don't know. I don't know. How can we call it a comeback? Because, yeah, maybe it is Maybe it is an appropriate comment. You know, considering a couple of years ago, they went back-to-back Super Rugby finals. They've fallen a little bit from grace, and that's after certain coaches left. So, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. You know, I think for me, it's they are 12th on the log, 19 points overall, played seven and won three games. But I think it's more in the manner in which they're playing that they're impressing me at the moment. You know, it is a young side. They have no international talent within the team. And they've got the second best discipline in the competition, giving away the fewest penalties and cards. And I think when you see a team getting the discipline right is normally an indicator that they are now heading into an upward trajectory. You know, they settled they understand what they're doing and that's the first step for me and i've really seen that in them in them so far players like franco horn really stepping up and the surprise probably sanele nohamba at fly half yeah i was a little bit shocked by that as well i would have thought jordan should have played 10 and it must be hard for him to see a scrub off coming into the team and then taking his position at fly off so so yeah but you're right nohamba's playing really well for the Lions. And Nohamba's one of two Sharks players that left. Marius Lowe, former Shark Center, is now captaining the Lions as well. So Playing really well. I do feel like there's a bit of an upward trend there. Their biggest problem, however, is the crowd attendance, Ronnie. Their last game, they only managed to get 2,500 people into that stadium. I mean, that well, is... Should we talk about that? Because we, we, we get we get wrecked over the knuckles every time we talk about the fact that, that Ellis Park is in such a terrible location. It's true, we do. The guys don't like to hear it, but 2,500 people speaks for itself. We know the All Blacks game is going there this year, and I'm probably not attending. I know, Ronnie, you've ruled yourself out already. But that is the biggest obstacle to the Lions. And yes, they say they can't move because they've got box owners, but something needs to be done to increase that crowd attendance. It's, it's vital. Yeah, it's just the, the overall experience is just unpleasant. You know, and it's, and it's one thing just being, but when you go to other stadiums, when you go to Greenpoint, when I hate saying that because we, you know, you and I can say anti Cape Town for many years, but the game day experience in Cape Town is a million times better. 
and you know even Loftus has improved recently with the big beard tent and stuff. It's just it isn't for maybe let's not go down that. Yeah, so lines definitely need to address that, but that's something that that I'm sure they're very well aware of. And then Ronnie, the new segment that we're introducing this year is the May Fokchul moment of the week. It's going to be anything from try score to clutch moments to funny stories, whatever dishes is dished up to us during the week. But I think we're going to kick it off with a strong one, a very South African feel to it. Is Marnie Lubbock slotting the 60th minute kick to hand the Stormers a typically South African one-point win? Quarters, semi-final, and Marnie continues the trend in the URC, keeping the Stormers ahead of the Sharks. Well, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for joining for the banter and staying for the chat. My fuck job, that was luck. Make sure you smash that like button and subscribe on your preferred listening platform so you won't miss a moment of the madness. Catch you back here next Wednesday.